Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Hi, I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a great week. This week, I am pleased to announce that my sponsor is going to be somebody I've picked. I'm not accepting money from sponsors anymore. I'm just trying to help out small businesses um, while we all go through this period of time. And I've collaborated with Page One Books, pageonebooks.com, and the one is not O-N-E, it's page number one, page1books.com, and also Hampton's Hand Poured, which is a small candle-making business. And the three of us have teamed up to create a book box bundle containing three books that are particularly relevant slash funny slash entertaining for this period of time, one by John Kenny, one by Carla Nomberg, and one by Jen Gotch. And also a candle that has a label that says, next chapter, please, because... I don't know about you, I'm definitely ready for the next chapter of life. So please go on page1books.com. 15% of the proceeds, which is my entire portion, I'm donating to COVID-19 recovery efforts. So buy yourself a box, send a box to someone who you know needs a pick-me-up. It'll be really helpful. They'll read the three books, light a candle, and feel immediately better. Now's the time, and it helps support these two small businesses, Page One Books and Hampton's Hand Poured, and you'll make a difference on so many levels. So please check it out. It's on my website, and it's also on pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much. Also, just wanted to remind you that this week, like every week, I have five new essays up in We Found Time, my new online magazine. We Found Time's five essays this week are written by Christina Geist, Tiffany Schlein, Wendy Walker, Beth Riccanati, and Mara Laura Philpot, who have all been on my podcast already, so you might have listened to their episodes or you should go back and listen to them again. And they've written fantastic essays on everything from taking one day off a week for technology to not prioritizing finding a new man when you have a teenage boy at home, all sorts of great stuff. So please check out wefoundtime.com any day this week for our five new essays. 
I'm here today with Joanna Hirschhan, who's the author of five novels, Swimming, The Outside of August, The German Bride, A Dual Inheritance, and her most recent book, St. Evo. Her writing has appeared in Granta, The New York Times, One Story, Virginia, Quarterly Review, and two literary anthologies, Brooklyn Was Mine and Freud's Blind Spot. She teaches in the creative writing department at Columbia University and lives in Brooklyn with her husband, the painter Derek Buckner, and their twin sons and daughter. Welcome, Joanna. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a pleasure to be here, and so nice to meet you. We were just talking about how great Joanna's voice is. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking about how great Zippy's no. voice is. <laughs> so I asked, I just had asked her, and I was like, don't say it until I start the podcast. But So you used to act a while ago. I did. I mean, I always acted, and then, you know, after college, I acted for a couple of years, and or more accurately, you know, auditioned. <laughs> but I did start writing plays and A couple of them were produced, you know, on a small scale, and I was in one of those. But, yeah, so I used to act, and then I... I think someone said recently, I'm a recovering actress. (laughs) I'll always be. There's a part of me that has that in me, and it definitely is a huge part of the way that I approach writing. Like thinking of it like scenes, you mean, or...? No, more like I discovered in graduate school when I got my MFA. I just kind of thought everyone thought relatively similarly about writing fiction, And I realized a lot of the way that I think about it is almost like method acting. Like, I'm I'm all the characters. You know, I feel like when I start talking about it, it sounds really woo-woo. But I'm very immersed in my characters. And a lot of the same principles of acting training, I feel like that's how I write. And also when I teach writing, I end up teaching about that. Kind of like through the lens of being an actor. More than, in a way, more than being... More than you're the, you know, director. Mm-hmm. It's more like you're in it. Oh, I love that. So now you should just market your That's services right. to all actors. And actors. <laughs> you right. should, like, hand out little pamphlets of everybody <laughs> online for auditions. Like, take my class, how to become a writer once you, as a recovering actor. That's right. <laughs> well, anyway, as I've told you, I really loved this book, St. Evo. And from the minute I opened it, I just, like, plopped myself down and tore through it. And it was really good. And just, Thank you. It was really good. I was really fun to read and awesome and thought-provoking. And the characters were so real. So whatever you're doing with the method acting or whatever, (laughs) they worked. (laughs) So can you tell listeners what St. Evo is about and how you came up with the idea for this book? It's hard to talk about. Obviously, it's hard to talk about any book, you know, sum it up. But it's specifically hard to talk about this book as my publisher and publicist, as we editor, we've discussed it because... It, it has somewhat of a mystery to it, mm-hmm. and it's hard to kind of, without giving it away exactly, but it takes place over three days, and it's about a couple that you come to realize met when they were very young and had a daughter when they were very young. And you don't know exactly what happened with the daughter. You don't know if she's alive, and you don't know what something's off, and you realize slowly there's quite a large story to it, and the structure is that this couple are going to visit old friends for the weekend. And so it has the country weekend visit structure and reuniting with old friends who you haven't seen in a very long time. And then you also come to realize there's quite a story as to why they haven't seen each other in so long. And it's, it's, a bit, it's an, uh, I would say, an emotional thriller on some or psychological hmm. investigation of how we become who we are as adults and yeah something like that I mean it's also so timely because it's about how 
people cope with uncertainty. That is right. And what different people do and how they do it together, how you like how you can bond with your partner or how you can go in completely opposite ways and how you That's right. deal with that sort of emotional torment. So yeah, it's very it really relevant. Is, it is very relevant. It really is a book about emotional uncertainty mm-hmm. and how to live. Mm-hmm. Like how not only to survive and yeah. but how to live. And I think I'm always really fascinated with this narrative that I think we have about moving through trauma, Mm -hmm. like moving through loss. Like there's this kind of linear image, like you go through something and you come out the other side. And I always think of it more of like a parallel life. Mm -hmm. Like if you can live alongside your trauma or your sadness, Mm -hmm. where it almost seems like, you know, I always hear people talk about how when they experience, you know, death of a loved one, it seems like, how can the world be going on? Mm -hmm. You know, how can everyone just be, you know, living and going to restaurants and, you know, and then, and also just things like when someone is in crisis, it's also possible to enjoy like the taste of something or laugh or, you know, we are not just suffering even when it feels like that. So I'm really interested in like how we can live alongside sadness and we still are humans right yeah you also have this whole idea of parallel lives with Mm -hmm. what if like what if certain things so you have your main character Sarah spends time imagining like what if I had had a child who was a son and what if his name was Alex and what would that Mm -hmm. have looked like and she goes into this entire narrative in her head about Alex and you write She supposed she wasn't the only person who daydreamed these glimpses, other children, other husbands, other lives. She dreamed of the children she might have had if this or that pregnancy had taken, if this or that man had been hers. Mm -hmm. Which I do all the time. It's like, well, what if I had stayed with that guy? Like, what would our kids, you know, what what if? It's like this whole sliding doors doors, thing. What do you make of that? I I mean, in some ways, I feel like it's just a byproduct of being human Mm -hmm. and living in an era maybe of more choice than ever and Mm -hmm. more freedom as a a woman and as, you know. But I also think it's just the storytelling impulse. You know, I'm absolutely a curious person, so I'm curious about everyone else's lives. I love knowing what people eat for breakfast. Like, I love, you know, what if I had stayed home? What if I, you know, the storytelling impulse to imagine, you know. When I was in kindergarten, my mother told me. I pulled out the class list and I called everybody in my class and asked them what they had for dinner that night. Oh my gosh. We're kindred <laughs> spirits. Yeah. I just like yeah, wanted you to, want know. to know. I just wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it and I think that wanting to know is, you know, leads to it's an act of imagination. And yeah. It's funny. <laughs> so your character Sarah, I found her interesting on so many levels. But one thing that she talked about was how she likes how she needs to be alone. Mm-hmm. And how this is such a hard thing to do when you're with a spouse. And something that sometimes I think about because as much as I adore my husband, you know, sometimes you just need that time mm-hmm. to yourself. Anyway, so Sarah, you write in the book, she loosely calculated that she needed at least four hours of being completely by herself every day to feel vaguely okay. And she wondered, as she often did, why she so bad she wanted so badly to stay married. So what happens to like introverts who have to be around people all the time? Like, do you feel like you're an introvert? You know, no. Okay. I would say that I'm definitely an extrovert and I get so much joy from other people and I'm collaborative by nature, super social, but I have chosen this life of, and I was acting, and but I always wrote 
my whole, you know, my whole life. I've always written stories and I have chosen this life in which I'm alone a lot. It's very isolating work. And I'm fascinated by my own choices because I do feel like I'm an extrovert and I do feel like I need that time totally alone with my own thoughts. So I don't know. I think my guess is that a lot of writers are like that. There's this image of the writer as an introvert Mm -hmm. and kind of like socially awkward and not able to socialize. I don't know. And surely there are many introverted writers. But I also feel like it's a contradiction that I certainly see it in other writers. But I don't know. I need both. (laughs) I, at least from... My anecdotal evidence, having interviewed a lot of authors, I do not feel that authors are in general right. an introverted bunch who just like to toil away in obscurity. And I also feel like today's world is set up so that you have to be a little more outward facing as an author. That's true. Anyway, That's true. even to get something published, you might have to right prove to that yourself you're so, out there. You know, but yeah, but yeah, I do, and I actually enjoy people. <laughs> you know? But it's but that that line, I relate to. I love. I do love being alone. I also feel like I don't know. I like to write too, and sometimes I don't even, this sounds ridiculous, I don't even realize I'm really alone because right. I'm so engaged with all these other people right. in my in what I'm writing that yeah. I sometimes I don't even notice. It's like if you're dreaming. It's not a lonely feeling. No, it's it's you're like companionable feeling, like yeah. companionable with yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, really, because writing is about you have to understand and be interested in other people to write about them all day long. Right. So. Well, also Joan Didion famously said, I and I'm sorry if I'm going to botch it, but um, I write to find out what I think. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. And that, I remember reading that line when I was probably 17 or 18, and it was just this profound recognition. Totally. You know, I, like I need to write in order to find out what I think. I mm-hmm. don't know what I think until I write. And I definitely don't, I don't work, like I don't have one big idea, and then I need, then I write it. That's not how it ever works for me. So I need to kind of engage with myself through writing in order to have a clue as to what I'm thinking or feeling. It helps. Yeah. I know. Sometimes I'm like, what, what would I do if I didn't have that? I know. It's a gift. It's really a gift to, you know, oneself. <laughs> I guess that's true. How did you pick the title for this book? Well, in the book, there is an encounter in the beginning that really sets the whole plot in motion. Mm-hmm. And the title is something, has something to do with the encounter. And the encounter is mysterious and the mood is mysterious, and the place, it, it's a bar, mm-hmm. or it's a, you know, it's a place, yep. Saint. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, 
Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Ivo, or Evo, depending on how you say it, but I've, I'm going with Ivo. <laughs> and it became this kind of uh, almost like talismanic thought for the character as she moves through the, the, a couple of days. Did you always know that would be the title? I think so, yeah. Because she is curious about St. Ivo and curious about which yeah. saint he was and looks it up and also some some of what she learns I'm not, I, is relevant. So It's great. It's great. I was just, yeah. it could have easily been like, you know, The Weeknd or... Right. The, the, There's like, already a book called The Weeknd. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. That's too generic. I just meant that like, it could have been... Yeah, it's anyway. very good. Um, <laughs> well, the book starts off with this encounter on a subway between Sarah and a man she meets. And I was wondering if a similar subway situation had happened to you mm-hmm. and that it's, you thought, oh, this could be cool for... So I will say that unlike almost anything I've ever written, this actually started, this whole book mm-hmm. started from a very similar encounter I had on the subway. And I had, but I'm not the character, Sarah. <laughs> so it was different because she's carrying around a lot of, mm-hmm. she's carrying around a lot that I was not carrying around mm-hmm. when I had this encounter. But I did have this encounter, interesting encounter on the subway. And after it happened, I immediately thought, and this is completely out of character for me, I don't usually um, take notes or think about, I don't really usually think like, oh, that would be a great story. Mm-hmm. That's not really the way I work. So this encounter happened, and I immediately thought, this is the opening of something. Mm-hmm. This is something. I don't know what it is, but I wrote it down, just wrote down what happened. And I it really set me off on this whole research journey. I thought I was going to write about something very, very different and ended up doing research for years about... Really? Yeah, and then I thought it was going to be more of an actual thriller, huh. but then... It, it, it didn't turn out that No, <laughs> and I, you know, I had to kind of listen to what was, that, what was going on underneath my... Inten- I had the best of intentions to do one thing, and then something else was emerging, and so I had to listen to that. But it was a really, really interesting encounter and not terribly dramatic, just it was more how the encounter made me feel mm-hmm. and all the things I started thinking because of it. So, yeah, so and very about, similar encounter. What about the weekend away with friends? Did that come from a place 
Like, did you go away with friends who you hadn't seen in a while, or have you had like an uh, awkward weekend away, or no, I wouldn't leave, that, or I don't no, know, something no. like? Uh, no, I'm always really, really interested in weekends with friends and how there's just very, very quickly people end up forming like this ecosystem. <laughs> you know, I remember the writer, wonderful writer Jennifer Egan. I remember her saying at a reading, probably. I don't know, 25 years ago or something, I remember her saying that she loved writing about traveling because every time you travel, you kind of reinvent yourself Mm. or you reinvent your family in some way. If you're traveling with your family, there's this opportunity to kind of, even in the smallest ways, like you, you discover new routines and you, I don't know, there's just something about it. And I feel that way about weekends with friends or, and friends and friends' kids. And there's this interesting way that we fall into roles and just, I don't know. You definitely like learn a lot about your friends. You learn a lot about your you friends spend the through traveling. As, them as a parent, too. I mean, yes, and like, you know, how people relate to their kids mm-hmm. and how, yeah, you realize people do things really differently totally. or very similarly, and that's, you know, maybe you didn't think you had that much in common with someone, and then you realize, oh, we, we operate on the same frequency. Yes, that's um, always nice. <laughs> but I was very inspired by a house that my family and I rented about 13, 12 years ago, just rented for a couple of weeks. And it stayed with me, like just the geography and the feeling of what was going on around the house. And I always thought maybe I'd write about that place. Hmm. So it's not totally, it's not very literal. It's not like that's exactly the house or that's exactly the town. But yeah, certain area of <laughs> upstate New York. I feel like a lot of your books, and I've only read this book, but now mm-hmm. I want to go back and read all your other books because this book was really good. I feel like they all sort of touch on these themes of disappearance or searching for someone or mm. loss or something. And do you know where that comes from? It's mm, a really good question. So I'm just going to tell the story. Cause tell the story. I've never told the story. Like, I don't know if I've told anyone, but okay. basically, so my first novel I wrote, I started it when I was 24, 23 or 24. And it's Definitely not an autobiographical first novel, but it's about, in the novel, though, there's, it's a girl, and she has two brothers, and one of the brothers, who's a teen, like, two teenage brothers, and, or young adults, and one of them dies, and tragically, and it's, it sets in motion this whole year, many years of the other brother disappears, there's, like, a lot that happens to their family, and this did not happen to me at all, thankfully. But I had a woman contact me, and this was before, I'm trying to remember if she wrote me a letter. I mean, it was definitely, the book came out in 2001. It was probably an email. But she contacted me, and she said she wanted to meet me because she said that she had never read a book that so described to her, like she felt this loss because her son was autistic. And she felt like this book, which was not about that at all, spoke to her in some way about her own feelings, mm-hmm. about her inability to communicate with her son. Mm-hmm. And I did. I went and met her, and I was really moved because my brother has a syndrome, and he's not autistic. But I have one sibling, and that, and he's wonderful and lovely, and I you know, love him very much. But we don't have—I I can't communicate with him the way that most siblings communicate. So I think I have— so I thought it was really striking that she felt that in my book. Hmm. So I don't know. I do think I have something about 
feeling like searching for a clo- like an intimacy and closeness with family member. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not literal. I've never written about that, but I think it informs a lot of my writing. I was just talking to another author who said, sometimes you don't know your themes and what you're working through until you see it all. In front oh, of it. totally. It's very, <laughs> it's really, it can be really fascinating. There's another, I wish I knew who said this, but someone said that, you know, writing a novel is about following your unconscious anxieties. And I remember hearing that and I, thought about at the time I thought about the maybe four books I'd written or three books and I thought oh yeah that's probably true but I'd not I'd never thought about it that way Mm. I mean I think it's also about following your interests Mm -hmm. just following like what compels you but usually what compels us can be tied to did your did your parents read your books like have they have your yeah my parents have read my books do they see that connection between you and your brother playing out in the books or you think not so much. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Now you have to like reread them in that lens. <laughs> I mean, it's strange for me to even think about that, but I had, because I mean, it really, I don't know. I, I think that there's truth to it for sure. And it is interesting to examine it mm-hmm. sort of way after the fact. So I certainly wasn't conscious of it when I was writing. Yeah. You know? I mean, if books are really, our unconscious anxieties played out, then like, I could write a thousand books. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I have, don't you feel like we all have like a, a trillion things we're worried about all the time? That, like, that, yeah, you know what I, mean? I mean, like then everybody has like a trillion books in them, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this moment we're in at this moment. What what's the date? <laughs> things are changing every day. I know, I know. But I do think that this uncertainty mm-hmm. in the air is it's rich. I wonder what's going to get written out of this moment. That's a good way to look at it. Maybe really great stuff. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> Are you working on another book now? I haven't started another book. It's I'm, okay. I'm it's definitely okay. <laughs> in this per- percolating moment, which is usual for me. It's always it's always hard for me to, this is my fifth novel, and every time I, well, I had a second novel idea, but after my first one, but usually takes me a while. How long does each book take to write? I would say my average is about three years, but... My, my The German Bride, which is a historical novel, mm-hmm. I think I researched for about three years before I found my way into the story. And then it took about two years to write. And then my last book, A Dual Inheritance, also had a tremendous amount of research. And I definitely feel like having since having children, the books have taken longer to write. <laughs> but no, not this one. This book didn't. This book took about two years. And what about the fact, like in this book... Two of the characters are married to more artistic types. Mm-hmm. What about that? In your life, you're married to an artist. That's whose true. Work is so great. <laughs> oh. I went and looked at his website, and I was like, "Oh, these pictures of freeways, these foot paintings of freeways are so oh, cool." Thank you. Anyway, that's wonderful. But being married to someone creative, I mean, you you even wrote in this book about how I think you said something like, "It's to use one's imagination for art or even for leisure seemed like the world's greatest luxury." Mm-hmm. Is that how you feel? Like, how does that play out in your own home? Well, I do think that's true in the sense of, you know, I've met a couple of people who've suffered terrible, who are fiction writers and suffered terrible losses. I guess two people. And it just made a really big impact on me because they said they stopped. In one case, it was someone who stopped reading fiction. And in another case, it was someone who stopped writing fiction. And it was just like two, they just lost their taste for it. Like the imagination was just Mm -hmm. like too 
sort of, I don't know, the words they used to describe why, but it made it made a kind of sense to me. Like the brutal reality, like they couldn't escape anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've never experienced that, but it made sense to me. And I feel like there is something, it's just the greatest gift to me is to be able to imagine and to pursue your imagination. And I do think of it as a gift. So I feel like, I don't know. It's true. The book's characters are artists or have, you know, artist-ish. (laughs) They have creative pursuits, right? I think that's, I guess it is relevant to, it's relevant to who the characters are, for sure. Do you have any advice to aspiring authors, especially since you teach writing? Read and pay attention to your anxieties. Pay attention to your, not just to story, but to the daily feeling of, mystery like there's mystery out there mm-hmm. and sometimes we'll have moments where we can kind of tap into that and that's that's what happened to me on the subway that day it's not like something happened and if I told you the story of what happened you wouldn't say that's a great story <laughs> you know it was more like something was in the air mm-hmm. and I felt it and so I feel like just paying attention to the parts of life that we don't understand or know about can lead to some really interesting stories that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This thank podcast. you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Again, today's episode has been sponsored by my collaboration with Page One Books and Hamptons Hand Poured. Please check out the book box bundle retailing on pageonebooks.com, also available on my website, zibbyowens.com. Please check it out. And thanks again for checking out wefoundtime.com for this week's five new essays. You can follow me on Instagram at moms don't have time to read books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Have a great week, everyone. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.